gravity drowning out the quartermaster's words. Then the vessel itself appeared. Its sheer size was phenomenal. As it glided past the Liberty, its huge shadow engulfed the sailing ship and the quay on which the passengers were waiting to board. She's going far too fast, said Odysseus, who had suddenly reappeared beside me. She shouldn't be. Not here. He was right because the consequences could already be seen below us. The gigantic's wake was sucking the liberty away from the quayside. The hawsers tautened, creaking like a hundred rusty barn doors. They held, but the wooden gangway on which the quartermaster was standing came adrift from its mountings and sagged into the abyss between the ship's side and the quay. Arms raised and mouth agape, The man disappeared from the passenger's view like an actor abruptly quitting the stage via a trapdoor. Damn it! cried Odysseus. He'll be crushed! He vaulted the rail and clambered down the iron ladder like a monkey. Throw me a rope! he yelled. But it was already too late. I saw the water that had disappeared like magic suddenly flow back, forcing the liberty against the quayside. It welled up fast and the gap that had swallowed the quartermaster steadily narrowed. The full length of the ship's hull crashed against the quay. At the same moment, no, it must have been the bat of an eyelash before, the quartermaster came whirling up out of the abyss. For one brief moment, he hovered high above the passengers' heads. Then his wriggling figure fell to earth in their midst. Momentarily transfixed, they came to life when the water— which had been forced into the air between the ship's hull and the quayside, descended on them like a fountain. Almost any reaction would have been understandable, but this one surprised me. Having formed a circle around the bemused quartermaster, who got up on all fours and then scrambled to his feet, the passengers applauded. Cries of, Bravo! rang out. I left the rail and set off for my cabin, which also functioned as my hairdressing salon to make preparations for the evening. Some of the ladies were bound to want their hair done before appearing for dinner at the captain's table. I was halfway there when the captain himself came hurrying toward me with his shirt hanging out and his suspenders trailing. He had been enjoying his last onshore nap, as he always did before we sailed. He caught me by the arm. What happened? Wherever there's a ship, I replied, there's usually some water as well. The passengers know that now. He stared at me with his little lashless eyes, under which huge pouches lay like protective sandbags. In that case, he said, and turned on his heel. The quartermaster, an old friend of mine, was in quite a bad way. He could easily have broken his neck on the stone quayside, but he'd been lucky to get away with a shattered shoulder, two dislocated arms, and a fractured tibia. His fall had been mitigated by the press of bodies into which he fell, which cushioned the impact. I attended to him while we waited for the horse-drawn ambulance that would convey him to the harbor hospital nearby. Screek, he said, breathing heavily and in obvious pain. Everything's all prepared. You can't go wrong. He asked me to take over the allocation of the passengers in his place. I was told to feel in his jacket pocket for the passenger list and the numbers of the cabins they had been assigned. How do I look? Wonderful. Sigismund, the truth, please.
It's always hard to tell a vain man the truth, so I said nothing. He gingerly felt the congealed blood on his forehead. Thanks, he whispered before he passed out. I didn't have a list detailing the names of the others, the ones who would spend the voyage on the lower deck. The quartermaster called them Les Miserables when we were alone. Not that he meant to demean them. No, he pitied those passengers who could only afford a berth below the waterline, and he had, in all the years we'd sailed the Atlantic together, done much to make their long weeks below more tolerable. And the Liberty could be at sea for as many as ten weeks if the wind dropped. He had, for instance, prevailed upon the captain to provide them with fresh water every other day instead of only once a week. I watched the horse-drawn ambulance go jolting off with him in the back, then proceeded to usher the soaked passengers aboard.